Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Get the pace car! What for? Because you hit any other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. Hey, race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to the Drafting the Circus program. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about this week in racing and preview next week. Joining me in the studio, I have Richard Uden, I have Louise Torres, and I've got back from the <laughs> back from uh, being away for a while, Seth Eggert. Guys, how are we doing? We're good, doing thanks. Wow. Really good. All right, so Seth, I want to thank you for coming back on. I know you've been... Uh, Despite the fact you've been um, cheating on me with another <laughs> podcast, um, uh, I hope your other podcast is going well. Uh, uh, but I'm 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 pleased as heck that our schedules lined up and we're able to have you on uh, because I know you're pretty excited because Talladega was this past weekend. Um, you know, we tried to get all the races in for all the the weather issues we had there, but at the end of the day, the end of Monday, actually. It was a uh, certain Mr. Daryl Wallace Jr., uh, affectionately known as Bubba, who came to victory lane. And I, and I, and I know you have followed um, Bubba Wallace's career since he was in uh, Arca and Trucks. Yeah, actually, even before that, when he was in uh, what's now the Arca uh, East Series, uh, the then NASCAR Canaan Pro Series East. And I remember... He, him driving the U.S. Army number six car. Uh, he drove a number of cars for Rev Racing, what, which is now supporting uh, Raja Root and Nick Sanchez and others that are coming up through the Driver Diversity Pipeline. But for Bubba specifically, I've followed his career, like you said, since then. Uh, I've chatted with him at the Bojangles Summer Shootout when he's hopped down to do that during some of his free time, uh, talked about his photography with him. It, he's just, a, he's a really nice person in general. And it was so refreshing to see him finally break through and get that win. Yeah. He's been in cup for, is it, is it four years or five years now? It, a <sighs> couple of years with Petty, but, but at the end of the day, this is, this is a, this is a pretty big win for, you know, the 23 XI team, because they came into the season with a lot of high hopes and expectations, you know, with a lot of good money behind that team. You've got uh, two high pro- profile owners between uh, a certain Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin. And to see them grab a win, at, even if it's a range shortened race, you know, and a lot of people want to, they, they don't want to give Bubba his due. But I mean, look at the way he 
power that car from the back to the front to be in the position to win. I, mean, I think anybody, anybody that wants to say NASCAR gave him a win or he only won because it rained really didn't watch the race because Bubba has performed well on these play tracks. The 23 XI team has performed well in these situations as well. And it, everything fell their way. Yeah. And if anyone wants to discount a rain shortened or a darkness shortened win, eight drivers in NASCAR's modern era has actually earned a win in a rain, darkness, lightning, or fog shortened race. Davey Allison, who's in the NASCAR Hall of Fame, Eric Almarola, Chris Buescher, Justin Haley, Joey Logano, Ryan Newman, David Rudiman, and Bubba Wallace. Right, and then in the whole history of NASCAR, there's, I believe I the stat I read was there was 52? 52, 52 in the modern era. Right, right. So, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's part of racing. We all know that. I mean, you know, you're going to get your win when you get it. And sometimes, you know, you can look at a, a situation where everybody pitted and you stayed out and then the rain fell and you got a lucky win. That was not the case here. Bubba put himself up front. Nobody else pitted. Everybody was racing for the win. He had the fastest car right then and there, was able to be ahead of the accident when it happened, and there you go. That And his choice to block Logano and not block Keselowski also handed him the win because if he had gone down to block Keselowski, he might have actually been passed and then not won. Just the way it worked out, uh, him choosing when to block, who to block, and how to block. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, this win is historic for a couple of reasons, right? So number one, it breaks the so-called McDonald's curse. Yes. You know, where we haven't had a, uh, a winner in a McDonald's livery, full McDonald's livery car. I mean, there was a couple of uh, Jamie McMurray wins where he has McDonald's as an associate on there. And there was a, Mc- and, a Bill Elliott, uh, Bill Elliott shootout. Non-points race, right? Yeah. But uh, since Jimmy Spencer won, at Talladega back in 94, uh, that's back when I worked with Jimmy Spencer. That's the last time McDonald's has seen victory lane in NASCAR. Uh, and for so McDonald's, it was your fault then, Frank. Huh? <laughs> it was your fault then. Right, yeah. When, yeah, when I left uh, McDonald's, yeah, it all was downhill. It, to, it was all yeah. downhill from there. Yeah. Were you in victory lane? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I was, oh, man. Hey, and- yeah. You know what my job was? with uh, McDonald's marketing when I was at the track to make, to make sure Jimmy Spencer got to the, um, the sponsor events on time. I got to go, I got to go pick up Jimmy and, and, and to this day, I mean, I know we're way off topic to this day. I, I think Jimmy is a wonderful human being. The guy is so fun and so funny, but anyway, so we break the McDonald's curse. Okay. It's the first win for a number 23 car since I believe 1954. 1954 with Al Keller at Oglethorpe Speedway in Savannah, Georgia. Man, Seth, I knew you'd, you'd be right on these stats. <laughs> That's why I miss having you on the show. And then, of course, the first win for an um, African-American driver since Wendell Scott in uh, Jacksonville, Florida in 1963. And Although it took them a long time to recognize that win. Yes. And it's the first win for a principal African-American team owner uh, because even though Brad Doherty co-owns the 47 car, he's a 
minority owner in the team, not a 50-50 owner, or I think it's 60-40 with uh, Hamlin for uh, Michael Jordan. Well, there you go. So, I mean, so what's next for Bubba? He's got this, uh, you know, the the monkey off the back, so to say, of, of not having a uh, win in the Cup Series. Now he's a, you know, bona fide Cup Series winner. Uh, that builds a lot of momentum, a lot of confidence, uh, not only with uh, Bubba himself, but with the team and the crew and everybody. So, and we've got a couple of races left and they've got to be going into the Roval all smiles. That and also, at least for the rest of the season, they can at least, I don't want to say experiment, but just get reps in as a team because with uh, the next-gen car coming in next year, a lot of stuff, at least for this particular car, this is the last time they're running these cars. So that Speedway car that he ran at Talladega, I would not be surprised to see that in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Or even on display at the eventual permanent 2311 shop that is being built if I remember correctly, in Cornelius, North Carolina. Yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah, because they're not going to run another super speedway race this year. So, yeah, that, uh, that car will be a museum piece. Yeah. And and, and right, rightfully so, yeah. Yeah, and as far as the Roval, I wouldn't be surprised if Bubba is hoping for a little bit of rain because he was running well in the rain at Coda until the spray got to the point where he couldn't see and neither could uh, Cole Custer, Kevin Harvick, or several others for that matter and got caught up in a wreck but there's some drivers that they have a little bit of uh, expertise on running in the rain and Bubba is probably somewhere in the top five or top 10 for the cup drivers with that oh absolutely yeah so I mean we'll see I mean there's been a lot of rain through the area that's for sure so watch Um, out for Joey Hand Sunday looks (laughs) clear though doesn't it yeah, Sunday looks Sunday clear. Does Saturday look clear. Saturday's way. Yeah. So again, the Xfinity race. Remember that Xfinity race a couple of years ago? That that, that Xfinity last year. Oh, was it last year? Yeah. yeah. Now time flies. But man, I had never seen so much rain at a stock car race where they just kept going. That thing was, you know, looked like a hydroplane race. Um, but anyway, so behind Bubba Wallace, we had both Penske cars, uh, which th- puts them in a very nice position. With the cutoff race coming up, um, who's not a nice position is the all the guys whose last name ends with B, which would be Bell, Bowen, Byron, and Harvick. Kevin Harvick are all <laughs> on the uh, sorry <laughs> below the cut line. Yeah, I know. I'm just trying to be silly. <laughs> if Kyle Busch yeah. was there, if Kyle Busch was there, it would make sense. But uh, but he's one above the cut line. He's uh, he he's not safe by any means, especially if Harvick has a good day. Um, but, uh, so Seth, Louise, Richard, let's, uh, let's talk a little more about, um, the events of Talladega this weekend. We had three new winners all across the board. Yeah, certainly the, out of all the three first time winners, the least I expected was certainly Tate Fogelman because of course, like when I, I get out of work right around the couple hours before the truck race, and then what I only caught the tail end of it. And I realized what, first off. Half the field was three quarters of the field were gone because of the big one that had to rewind and check that they had a red flag for no surprise. And I saw Tate Fogelman in the top 10. I was thinking, wow, 
Dave Fogelman is actually in this mix because usually when it comes to incidents, Dave Fogelman has one of the worst lucks when it comes to bad, when it comes to incidents, period. Lo and behold, a caution by for Chase Purdy, which honestly, I don't think it warranted a yellow. He spun it, went through the grass. Had it gone through the white flag, you probably would have saw, I think, Todd Gillen won that one. But they threw the yellow, and we had more trucks wrecking at the very end. And then out of nowhere, Tate Fogelman was up in front and battling with, I think, John Hunter Nemechek. Fogelman and Tyler Hill. Mo- yeah, Tyler Hill. I was getting to that point. <laughs> but <laughs> John Hunter Nemechek. That battle, then Fogelman, of all people, won. And then, lo and behold, he got tangled by Tyler Hill. And then they Fogelman wrecked. So for the second time in like in the span of a month, we see a national touring driver win the race and end up going to the Care Center first, which also makes Ty- Young Motorsports a second win in, what, three years now? And, and here, let's make this a little crazier. For the Xfinity race, Brandon Brown wins because of a late – uh, wreck and number of wrecks that they had in the uh, Xfinity and truck race with all the red flags, they were encroaching on darkness. And the, uh, the late wreck by the scoring loops had Brandon Brown in the lead with eight laps to go. Because NASCAR intended originally on restarting the race, they went by the scoring loops that put Brown ahead. Brown gets his first win. Now, for Brandon Brown, he drives a 68. The last driver before Brandon Brown to drive the 68 was Jay Fogelman, Tate Fogelman's father. And Brandon Brown's team shares a shop with Young's Motorsports, which is Tate Fogelman's team. So both teams in the same shop won. And like I said... Tate's father had the previous best finish in the 68 car before Brandon Brown. That's really neat, man. You know what I mean? I, so when, when you start oh, I've at, missed you. I've missed having you on the show, Seth. I really <laughs> yeah. I, it's yeah. kind of it seems like it seems like it's, it's become a it's become what is what is Ep Lemon said, a downward spiral or something like that. That's how this whole week has been. He releases a video about Talladega and all more shenanigans happen about Talladega. <laughs> Talk about irony. That's how I view how I view the the spiral, whatever the whatever he calls it these days. That's how I define it. But yeah, big win for both for that entire double organization that shares the sh- same race shop. Because I think was it Brandon Brown have two race shops, one in Carolina, one in Virginia. Yeah, one back home in Virginia and one in North Carolina that they share with Young's Motorsports. Uh, I actually know where the one here in North Carolina is. It's over by the Mooresville Drag Strip. Uh, there's there's a number of teams over in that area. Jennifer Joe Cobb's mm-hmm. team, who apparently doesn't know how to install brakes. Yeah, the yeah. Parker, they, they ripped off Park, broke Parker Plegerman's right re- left rear, suspension no, right rear off. suspension. Yeah, yeah, and, right rear. Excuse yeah, me. and then uh, her husband Eddie Traconis, who was the crew chief for Chris Wright, got indefinitely suspended by NASCAR for a behavioral issue. Oh, yeah. I read about that. So what were these specifics of the behavioral issue, or are they just... That's all that they that's have That's all said. private. Yeah, okay. All I right. think he punched I think he punched somebody from another team. That's well, the that'll, rumor. That'll do it. Reading, yeah, between, I mean, that's... reading between the lines of the statement. Or he must have had somebody who had enough of whoever talks back about or 
wife, his wife, or some like I wouldn't be surprised if somewhere went on those lines too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That will. Yeah, because it yeah, so happened so, to coincide one another. So interestingly enough, coming out of Talladega, we've got NASCAR making national mainstream news for a couple of reasons that are not related to the racing, right? And the one is the um, you know when Brandon Brown won. Uh, the crowd was chanting uh, something that the NBC reporter said, oh, listen to the crowd. They're chanting, let's go, Brandon. Uh, although the crowd was not chanting that. Oh, uh, uh, I will say, I will say I've listened to it multiple times over. The very first one, maybe two chants were, let's go, Brandon. A good f- two minutes later, when uh, Kelly Stavis said that, they were not chanting, let's go, Brandon. No, they were saying something very disparaging about the president of the United States. Um, and but your drunks must have misheard. Well, I, uh, again, you know, it, it, I hate the fact that it puts the spotlight on the ignorance of some people that enjoy watching NASCAR. And uh, as NASCAR struggles to, you know, be more progressive and more open. Uh, then they have these these sort of things that look like a black eye, right? And NBC looks like they're just trying to cover their butt in the case the FCC wants to uh, give them a little heat for airing profanity. Uh, but but so that was all, you know, at the end of the day, is what it is. You can't control what the fans and the stands do. Uh, but but then the, the backlash on social media for Bubba Wallace's win is just, it's just deplorable, some of the things I've read. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And and it's just, it makes me sad. <laughs> you know? And it's like, uh, uh, of course, you know, the, the overwhelming thing is, oh, well, NASCAR gave him the win. Oh, yeah, like NASCAR can turn the rain sprinklers on, right? But but I read one. I read one that said you know, the, the article attached to the social media post was uh, uh, had to do with uh, Bubba being the first African-American winner since, you know, 1963. And then there, there were more than a few people that said, oh, but he's not even black. He's he's mixed. I'm like, oh, my God. Uh, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like as long as a human race has been around, we all have some mixed ancestry in our past. OK, you know what I mean? Are you going to tell me I'm not Polish because my mother's Irish? Uh, you know, I, I just uh, the the ignorance, the ignorance of the things that I see uh, just makes me it, it's sad, I- you know. If I can quote Bubba on this, because right something, something he said at Daytona because of a fan that was heckling him uh, at the Coca-Cola stage at Daytona. It's just dumbass race fans. Darf. Darfs. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. And, and, and you know, uh, but at the end of the day. Unfortunately, I mean- but unfortunately, it's more than that, though, isn't it? You know, I know we say that and, and we we. You know, I don't want to get off topic here and get on my soapbox, but, you know, we always want to try and, like, pigeonhole these people that do it who say these stupid things. But it is so, you know, we say it's the minority, and on the whole it is the minority, but eventually the minority becomes the majority at some point. And it's just, it's just deplorable. You know, you just, I just don't get it, you know. And, you know, unfortunately... I, I know, and I'm sure Bubba would like to say a lot more than, oh, they're just dumbass race fans. You know, 
it's more than that you know it really is and, and there's there's no place for this in in any walk of life and um yeah i you know so so for example if you go to there's big issues in europe at the moment and especially in eastern europe with during soccer games uh racist chanting towards black african players and it's getting bad really bad and UEFA have turned around and said, if we hear that from fans, we will bar fans from that stadium for the next race or the next game or whatever it may be. And the clubs, they've got CCTV cameras. They know who's doing that. They prevent that fan from going to that venue in the future. That's the only way they're going to stop it. I don't know if it's not really working that well in Europe. But NASCAR needs to stand up and say, right, we are going to look at the cameras. We're going to see who made those disparaging chants during that race about, you know, about Bubba or about the president or whoever it is. And that individual will be banned from the track for life, period. And if it continues, we'll run the race without fans and make the tracks take responsibility for people go through the gates. The only way we're even going to start making an example of it because if the sport just brushes over it, it's showing that they don't really care. You know, oh, well, it was the minority. Okay, well, do something about it. If it was one, that's one too many. It really annoys me when, when they say, oh, well, you know, it was one or two, you know, had a few drinks, and it's, well, let's do something about it, you know. I'm like to think I'm coherent enough that I can have a few drinks and not shout out racial slurs at, a, you know, an athlete. You know, goodness me. Sorry. Okay, so yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say I thought you weren't gonna get on the soapbox. Well, so yeah, sorry, I didn't do a very good job at that. Well, today. <laughs> well here, I'll, here I'll add just a little bit to that, and what I mean by that is, I wrote essentially an essay over on Kicking Tires about my personal experience as a Jewish race fan and what I have gone through as a race fan, mm-hmm. and that stuff doesn't need to happen. It doesn't need yeah. to happen to me. It doesn't need to happen to Bubba. It doesn't need to happen to whether it's Louise, Frank, anyone here. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to happen to Hispanics, I'm, and I'm worried about when Suarez wins. There's going to be a that's going to be a massive upward, depending where he wins. Well, I mean, I had it working in the sport as a you know guy from Europe. You know, I had pretty disparaging things said to me, but it's to to me as an individual, it's like yeah, okay, whatever. And it wasn't on a public setting; it was in a private setting, and you know, I'm not going to. Loose, but it's it's when it's in the public like this that um, yeah, it, it you know they need to set exa- make an example of these people because otherwise, if they just say you know it's like a kid, the kid does something wrong and you just say oh well it was a one off, the kid's not going to learn. The kid does something stupid, you put, discipline the kid. And they need to start disciplining these people and disciplining the tracks. Yeah, I agree. So anyway, so let's let's kind of move on from this. I had. Uh... <laughs> talk about that previous. I didn't want to devolve into the big conversation about this, but I do believe it needs to be said. And uh, I appreciate all you guys chiming in, but let's talk about the other uh, NASCAR story that made national news. And that would be about John West Townley, um, which is a, a pretty bizarre little story. Now, John West Townley is, has run in um, uh, the truck series and Xfinity series. He's a race winner. Um, he uh, retired from racing not that many years ago. His his family founded the uh, Zaxby's restaurant chain, uh, which was uh, very supportive of his racing career. You know, he um, always had that Zaxby logo on the car. Uh, but 
this is odd incident where uh, you, you know a a domestic violence escalated and and whatnot and uh, you know the details are a little guarded but uh the best i can tell is that uh, you know he's uh estranged from his wife uh they have filed for divorce she's currently cohabitating with another uh gentleman as she's free and well to do if they're separated uh and he came to their house with a with a hatchet uh evidently to do some damage and he ended up getting shot and killed um because it because you know by all by all the reports i've read it looks like john west was the aggressor and uh the the girlfriend was also shot uh and they say that one was by accident so i i can only imagine that uh his intended target was uh the woman he came after her and then the other guy trying to save her accidentally you know caught her with a bullet but i mean but the whole thing is just uh bizarre and and it's sad that uh you know people go to these lengths to um you know try to repair a broken relationship i don't know i mean louise seth you got, you got anything on this at all yeah it's a, it's kind of absolute it kind of sucked the life out of me because of how I found out that news because I was uh, I, I was at the ballpark watching the Mariners play the Angels in which the Mariners playoff drought continued by the way. Fortunately, the Talladega race was postponed so I didn't miss much so I was able to see what happened Monday but it, it, it just took me off guard it just that happened that I had to double check if this article was reliable. Lo and behold it was and to see a guy like it was literally what, six years to the day that he got his lone truck series win, which people want to talk about. Oh, it was rigged. Oh, he was lucky about a few months. People forget John West Stanley had a strong truck all after all night that that race. He was a top five, top 10 truck the entire time. He just was in the right place at the right time when he got the win. And on top of his two Daytona 200 wins in Arca, he got better over time. But some of, but it kind of, what makes me wonder if there's more to that to where there are reasons why he retired that early or it's just the trouble past that he had that kind of altered his career a bit made it played into a role we'll probably never know maybe eventually once more details come out but it was just not not the news that i hope to be hearing and also just kind of the whole circumstances of what happens just kind of uh fortunate as it could get it's just one of those things where you wonder but you don't know until there's some detail yeah yeah until, yeah and again i mean that it, it looks like they're not going to file charges against the guy who did the shooting which yeah. which kind of tells I you mean, it's more or less of a case of self-defense and a lot of these mm-hmm. states have what they call um castle laws or whatnot so if somebody you know breaks into your house Mm-hmm. Uh, you know anything that happens to them is in self-defense so uh, you know we may never know the full story but but at the end of the day you know Townsley was a, a regular participant in the series and a good dude and it's just it's just sad that his you know that has come to this and and uh, you know you, you kind of wish he would have kind of saw yeah. some help saw some help or counseling rather than feeling that this is what he needed to do I think it does, you know, quickly, I just wanted to touch on this. I think it does show as well that, um, and we forget this at times, 
these people that we see in TV, on TV and, and we idolise in some instances in, in sports all over the world, not just racing, they're real human beings that suffer the real mental strains and personal strains that we all go through on a, on a, on a daily basis. We just, you know, we have this sort of concept that they're, you know, they're, they're indestructible or they're, they're a different, um, you know, way of, way of being. And, and they're not, they're the same as you and I, and they go through the same personal issues and, you know, social media can be a very dangerous place at times. I'm not saying in this instance, that's anything to do with it, but we, you know, we, we really should, you know, be a little bit more considerate of these people when, uh, when we sort of discuss them on that level. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's move on to a happier topic, which is uh, <laughs> we're heading to the Roval. And I, for one, I like the Roval. I mean, you know, some people are, eh, you know what I mean? They're still on a fence about it, but I, I indeed like the Charlotte Roval. I think it's uh it's, it's got a, you know, a good mix of, uh, yeah, you know, the nice uh, cruise along the oval and some very tricky bits in the part of the course. And, and, you know, a lot of breaking zones that if you don't hit them just right, you're going to be knocking down those uh, banners and stuff. So who do you guys like for the Roval? Cause this is, this is a, an elimination race. And again, like I said, we've got bell Byron, Bowman and uh, Harvick on the bubble. I genuinely like William Byron's chances because he's not that one. He's had pretty good runs on the road courses all season. He saw he's coming off from back-to-back six-place finishes at the Robo in 19 and 20. If he's going to do that Bristol magic that he did where he was on the outside looking in and makes it in by a thread, I can see his same repeat, except for his case, he has to win, period to really assure himself he's going to make it to the round of eight. He can't have just a, okay, so-so top five. Thought he needs to be up front, period, to put himself in an ideal spot. But I, I do like his odds right now, so that's my pick. All right, so Seth, Seth, are you heading out to the Roval this weekend? Yes, I will be at the Roval this weekend. All right, so tell me what your thoughts are coming into this race. Uh, I know, Charlotte, that's your home track. It's close to your house. You've been there a ton of times, so... uh I mean, what are you, what kind of race are you going to see? In the, are we going to see the Roval this week? Well, for the Xfinity race, uh, it'll be a chaotic mess in the rain, unfortunately. At least if the forecast holds the way it does. For the Cup race, it looks like it's just going to be cloudy. So I would think you're going to have some of the usual suspects up front for road courses. Uh, Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, maybe Ryan Blaney, maybe... Uh, Brad Keselowski, he's been good on road courses, but this year, not so much. Uh, Truex as well. That being said. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Spring training is right around the corner. So come for the games and have a ball in Arizona. With world-class resorts, unbeatable dining and nightlife, amazing scenery, and endless outdoor adventure. Make your visit unforgettable. 
Plan your getaway at myspringtraining.com. Bowman and Byron have both been quietly consistent at the Roval in the past. So I wouldn't put it past either of them for pulling off a surprise. All right. That's, that's a good assessment there. Yeah. Honestly, I think, uh, again, the two, the guys who have uh, got a lot of oval racing experience in their pocket, I think the Roval is just a little more palatable to them than racing at a, a Road America or a Coda or something like that. Uh, because there's, again, yeah, the Roval's got no elevation changes to speak of. And uh, it's it's a little more business as usual than getting out to a uh, natural train road course. And I think some of these guys that don't necessarily shine out there can have a pretty darn good day on the, on the Roval. Now, Richard, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, pretty similar to what uh, Seth and Luis have just said there. It could be a good good event, as you say, a cutoff. So, you know, you could see some of the guys on that bubble sort of with some pretty broad shoulders there. Um, I mean, I really don't think on a road course you can look, um, you know, much past uh, Chase Elliott there. Um, but, uh, you know, it'd be good to see, you know, a battle between those those three or four guys either side of that bubble there to see who will get, to, to see who'll get through. Absolutely. So who who you guys picking for your win? I'll start with you. I'll start. go for, uh, oh, oh. I'll start with you, Richard. I'll start with you, Richard. You'll go for <laughs> There we go. Yeah, I'll go for... Uh, I'll go with who did I say? Elliot. There we go. Elliot. Okay. Louise. Byron. Seth. I'll take Bowman then. And I'll take Truex. Uh, he's another guy needing another win here going into the uh, next stage of the thing. So, and uh, I'm, real quick, I'm giving here's my Joey Hand re- prediction results. I say he finishes eighth in the Stuart Haas prepared Rick Ware entry. So Joey Hand finishes eighth. Okay, I didn't realize that was the thing we had to pick where Joey Hand was going to finish. He's the he's the road ringer for the Cup race. That the for those who don't, IMSA driver. No, uh, well, I, I, yeah, I, I know, I know, who, I know who Joey Hand is. Yeah, yeah. So, Not, um, I just but, want to double check. He <laughs> was one of those Red Bull guys from 2002 that had like Ryan Hunter, Ray, and Scott Speed as well. If I remember. Yep. All right. So speaking of Ryan Hunter Ray, let's talk about IndyCar a little bit uh, because there was a little thing going on at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway today where a couple of guys who had road course only schedules this year uh, were doing their rookie orientation program. That would be a certain Mr. Jimmy Johnson and uh, Roman Grosjean. And these guys were able to complete Stages one and two of the rookie orientation uh, program, uh, but uh, weather stopped them from completing phase three. But uh, both guys had some, uh, both of them looked pretty good. And I think, uh, I think Grosjean is, he signed on next year for the full slate of uh, the season, run all the That's ovals. correct. Right. Uh, Jimmy Johnson is still up in the air a little bit. He's not committed to any ovals, but he says uh, some of his crazy said uh, Carvana number one would be happy to sponsor him in Indy, which uh, certainly makes sense. Carvana has been a very good partner to them. They, you know, if you see all the 
Jimmy Johnson Carvana commercials, but he's got to got to run it by the family um, and whatnot. And, and I get that, you know, uh, but uh, they both seem to have a really good time out there. We had Grosjean had a uh, James Hinchcliffe out there helping him give him pointers. Um, and Johnson, some of Johnson's comments were kind of funny. <laughs> he says, he says, uh, wow, it feels so much lighter than a cup car. I'm like, well, you think it is kind of 1700 pounds lighter, but he said, he said the only thing similar to running that oval in a cup car is the fear going into turn one. <laughs> you know, he, he said that, yeah, that you know, the car breaks quicker. And, and as he, as he ran lap after lap, uh, he said, it's more of a matter of getting the car to roll, dealing with the G forces and whatnot, but he sounds like he had a pretty darn good time. And it sounds like Grosjean had a pretty darn good time. And um, they've completed enough that when we go back to the speedway in April, for the veterans test, they're going to let these two guys run despite not having been 100% signed off on the rookie orientation program. Yeah. It'll be an interesting April test. That means more than likely Colin Mylon and Kyle Kirkwood are the ones that are going to be in that rookie orientation test in April. I guess with Kyle Kirkwood winning the Indy lights championship, he gets the three race deal that guarantees him also an Indy 500 entry. And of course, right, don't, broken time. Don't, don't get ahead of our, curriculum no we're talking we're talking okay. about rookie orientation <laughs> no, yeah but we're uh kyle kirk, know, was, we're kyle kirk was next on the list so yeah. <laughs> i'd mess with you louise because i love you man but you at least i can transition to topics quite smoothly unironically all right so there you go so let's talk about kyle kirkwood and let's talk about the road to indy the road to indy uh occupied mid ohio this past weekend um, they crowned all three of their champions. It was Kyle Kirkwood winning the lights title. Um, Kiko Porto won the uh, USF 2000 and Christian Rasmussen won the Indy pro title. Uh, so with, with that being said, Kyle Kirkwood does get the scholarship, which guarantees him an Indy 500 start. And is it three other starts or two other starts? I think it's two. Uh, I think it's, I think two, it's two other. Two other yeah. So three and that then, includes the Indy 500. Right. And this is the interesting thing. Okay. So almost everybody that's come up through Indy lights and won the title has been able to take advantage of this. Some of them have been able to parlay that scholarship into a full season. I think there's only one guy who declined it. I think hey. one never made it far. I think it was, I mentioned it once a while back ago. Yeah, no, I'd have to look it up. It, it was, um, uh, you know, it was champ car days, summer, it'd be a split day. Oh, it was mid early 20 teens. The, when you think about, because everybody else, yeah, I'm, trying, the trying title. To, I'm trying to remember who that was, but, but yeah, there was one guy who just declined it, went somewhere else. But, but here's the thing with Kirkwood, right? So, but you got, you've taken like a guy like Gabby Chavez, won the thing, was able to parlay that into the walking to a full-time ride with Brian Herta. Um, somebody else walked into a full-time ride with coin. I can't remember who that was. Uh, Spencer Piggott. His yep, was just, Piggott. Ju- Piggott, no, Piggott was just a three races, which he took with Ray Hall. Uh, so, I mean, so who takes up Kirkwood on the offer, right? Obviously, Andretti wants to keep Kirkwood in the fold, right? They've, they've said that publicly. Although the open Andretti seat is pretty much 
almost signed, sealed, and delivered to Devin D. Francesca, who was uh, Kurgwitz's teammate. I think D. Francesca brings a little more funding, but Andretti doesn't want to lose Kirkwood at the same time. Andretti's talked about, uh, you know, putting Kirkwood in in his Formula E team or, uh, you know, somewhere else just to keep him in the Andretti family. Uh, although there's some, some strong rumors that suggest he'll take his um, Indy Lights scholarship money to Dale Coyne. And, and all this is up in the air, but it's really interesting to see how Andretti can put Di Francesca in a car and still uh, retain Kirkwood. I mean, so it's not out of the realm of possibility that uh, Andretti puts Kirkwood in the three Indy races, including the 500, because we do know Andretti has ran as many as six cars in the 500 um, and then farm him out to Formula E uh, until such a time that they feel comfortable making part of the full-time IndyCar team. But there's just not a seat available on the full-time IndyCar team if they put De Francesca there. So, uh, you know, Louise, what are you hearing on this? I can definitely vouch for the fact that the coin thing holds some strong water. Because when I was in Long Beach, I saw him roaming around within the coin paddock, the Ray Hall paddock. I think just talking to friends, that's how I just interpret it. I don't view it as anything bigger other than she's just hanging out with his buddies and all of that stuff. But I think more than likely I could see the coin thing being strong because I know that 18 ride from as far as I know is vacant. They haven't coined Vassar Solomon and said nothing about Ed Jones staying in that car. And if they want to get somebody that can deliver, Kirkwood is that guy. Jones's time is over in my book. Kind of. Right. And so I think a so lot of people's eyes, he wore out his welcome. So there's that seat. Plus there's the other coin seat, which is being vacated by Roman Grosjean, which some, yeah. pe- some people have linked that seat to, uh, to Kumasato at least on a part-time basis. And we'll talk about Takuma a little bit more. Uh, but, you know, I I really don't see Michael letting Kirkwood go. No. I you think know, if you give him a shot does, at Formula E, does what he does around the world, maybe it'll, it'll do him well. It's going to be unfortunate that probably your best road to Indy driver of all time, probably the best road to Indy talent since probably Greg Moore, or Paul Tracy go somewhere else because there's just no seats available. It's kind of with Nick DeVries said down in Europe to some aspects where your main feeder series champion does not go up to the top level on a full-time basis. Yeah. Yeah. Nick DeVries is another guy who's stuck there in a holding pattern. Yeah. So, and then, then there's the odd case of the second Yunkos car. I mean, Lucos has signed on Calamilot for the whole the whole 2022 season, but they they have said that, you know with the influx of money they have from from the other partner that's joined them, they're going to run two cars. So I mean that's a possible landing spot for Kirkwood. You know if he brings his sponsorship money there, uh, you know because. You know, Kirk was not loyal to Honda or anything like that. Like, you know, unlike a guy like Sato, who's out looking for a ride. Or Hinchcliffe. Or, yeah, I mean, Hinchcliffe uh, was all set and ready to drive a Chevrolet uh, for McLaren until they let him go. 
you know, I, I, I don't think the Hinchcliffe Honda thing is as binding as Sato. I mean, Sato, Sato Honda Canada yeah. primarily. Well, I mean, Sato has been tied to Honda his entire career. Yes, it's for yes, it's for it's once he joined because I know when he started in Jordan in F one and O two, were they a Ford or a Toyota camp? Richard, were they a Ford or a Toyota camp in 02, Jordan? Because I know they were Ford in 03, Ford Cosworth. Oh, right, right, right. I'll figure it. That's a different type for another type. But, yeah, he's been loyal to Honda since for a real long time, going back to his F1 days. Well, sure. no, go, going back to his junior series days. Yeah. Been the Honda. When he started he's not, late in his late in racing year, racing age years. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. He, uh, yeah, he, he was twenty when he started karting, I think. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but, but anyway, since we're talking about Sada, we'll go ahead and, yeah, yeah. The news is broken that Sada will not be returning to Ray Hall. Although this has been one of the worst kept secrets that uh, Jack Harvey is going to take the thirty seat. Although that's not been officially announced yet, but that's the other worst kept secret. So we'll, you know, we'll that should be official in a couple of days here. So. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, Kirkwood is interesting because here you got here you got a guy with the scholarship money, and he could take it wherever he would like. Andretti would like to keep him in the fold, but if Andretti says, "Hey, I'll keep you on for three races, and and you can do some Formula E or uh, you know run our," they've got a couple other teams and other weird series. Um, Kirkwood might say, yeah, but coin will keep me in a car for all 17 IndyCar races. Yeah. And I think he'd be an odds on favor for Ricky of the year too. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that also, because if he goes to part-time, then, then it's going to be complicated, but I think he'd be a 22 rookie of the year honoree. They'll acknowledge it. I believe because I, I look back to Pato in 2019. Yeah, I think, 2020, I, I think the limit is seven starts. I think you have to have less than seven starts. They, uh, whichever he decides, he'll probably be an outside favorite rookie of the year, regardless which class he ends up 22 or 23. Oh, no, actually, it's less than five starts. Pato, Pato had seven, seven starts. That's because he, uh, between. The Sonoma 19 and then the couple from Carlin. The couple from Carlin. Yeah. Yes. No, it's, it's five, five. So if you have less than five starts, you can declare to be a rookie the following season. So, so if, so if Kirkwood only has the three starts in 2022, he can be a rookie of the year contender in 2023. But I, I think Kyle Kirkwood himself is itching to get in an Indy car. Yeah. I mean, because, so, with- yeah. He could have been in this year's rostrum had an oven for COVID. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of been a long overdue for him to be. Oh, in sure. oh yeah, sure. Yeah. Cause Indy lights lost all season. Now, speaking of Indy lights, we didn't. With the lucky land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Address this 
uh, reason. But Indy Lights is moving away from the control of Anderson Consulting, and it's going right under the direct control of IndyCar and Penske Entertainment. So yeah, that was also uh, confirmed at Long Beach and right scholarship and, talks is going to be announced at a later time when Mark told when I interviewed Mark one on one after the initial presser. So right, I'm curious they, to see what they do with it. And this is a topic that we've talked about that that while it seems like they have great feels for you know USF two thousand and Indy Pro, the the step up to Indy Lights is very cost prohibitive. Uh, so, but but I wonder if by moving Indy Lights under the IndyCar banner, if it's going to force the hand of some of these other IndyCar owners to run a lights team. Because right now, you know, Michael runs a lights team, and he's always been very supportive of the uh, the latter series. Uh, Ganassi and Penske have never run lights teams. Uh, Sam Schmidt used to run a lights lights team, so you don't have any of these. Like you see in NASCAR, a lot of the cup teams also have Xfinity teams, uh, but you really don't see that in any life. So I wonder if by moving it under the IndyCar umbrella, if we will have more participation from the top level IndyCar teams to run a lights program. Yeah, I, I'm just curious who will actually join the Freya Vandretti and also now Hunko since they're full-time in 22, add them to the mix. Because I know McLaren, they, when Aero McLaren has brought, have interest, but they got to see if it makes sense to them to do it. Because if, say, if it's the best interest for the team to have an Indy Lights program to help them build their future, especially if they won that third car, then they probably look into it, but it's just kind of what the team wants more than anything. And I hope to see more because if we get more indie indie car teams having any lights program, the field size will grow. Which I know a lot of people view the field size as deplorably weak, despite having really good crop of drivers, even if there's two or three of them. But I think it's important for them to grow going forward to keep this the Indy Lights healthy because the other divisions look okay, field size and team numbers otherwise. Just Indy Lights don't have that that many to where you see only like two or three stand out, which honestly, that just happens since just in junior formulas period. There's about two or three that will stand out and there's maybe two or one or two others that maybe will get a chance. And there's a few others that just hope what they can do We'll make get them far. Yes, yeah, so we'll have to see all that plans out. I would imagine just myself is going to be, you know, it's not going to happen immediately. It's going to be over the next two, three years. Yeah. As, as uh, you know, as we get Indy Lights under the IndyCar banner, that uh, we'll see some growth in that series. But I would say three, four years from now, it'll, it'll be thriving, um, you know, particularly because we know, you know, Roger Penske knows what he's doing. So, yeah, it's just no freedom 100. That's all. Yeah, that's still a curious decision for me because that's always a fun thing to watch on the th- on Thursday or on Friday this day and age uh, on Carb Day. Uh, I don't know why we're not doing that. Maybe that'll come back. I don't know. You almost wonder if if Roger likes the keeping the oval specifically for the 500. Because you know he was involved that in that decision to move the brickyard to the road course as well, 
So literally right now, the only race on the Oval is the 500. And maybe Roger likes it that way. He's not said that publicly, but, uh, you know, I got to wonder if that's part of the motivation for put, putting the Knicks on the Freedom 100. Yeah, and, and, and aside from the Freedom 100, it's fine because as much as the Brick Air 400 added a lot, as you heard the NASCAR drivers say, they like running the Oval because it's just there's no other Oval like it. It's also Indianapolis. So uh, running on a road course just was just like it to some people's eyes, just any other race of the season, despite being running at the venue that hosts the 500. But yeah, I, exactly. It, so, all right. So, Richard, are you back? Maybe Richard. Yeah, I'm here. I, oh, well, there I, you are. There you I, are. Richard. I, okay, so. I answered my question. When Sato drove for Jordan, it was indeed a Honda, not Toyota or Ford. Yeah, I, 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 don't, been yeah, Honda. I, I, yeah I don't think Sato's driven anything. His family, he, he has family connections with the Honda uh, group. So, yeah, he would never drive anything but a Honda. Makes me wonder those Ford years. I forget if they were if they were Honda. Yes, they were. Okay. They most certainly were. Uh, Han, Han, uh, Foyt switched to Chevrolet when I, I think it was uh, when Sato went to Andretti. N- no, well, no, no, it was when, well, yeah, roughly the same time period, but when um, Ganassi switched from uh, Chevy to Honda, Chevy to Honda, and, and Chevy was left with very precious few teams in the fold, so they picked up Foyt. So yeah, either or it's gonna be staying in the Honda fray for, like you mentioned, Coin being a Honda program. So yeah, so in Formula One and IndyCar, he's never driven anything in a race that wasn't a Honda engine. He was a test driver for Toro Rosso in the uh, two thousand and eight, and that was probably a a different engine. That was probably the <laughs> that must have been the Ferrari, Ferrari engine. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I said I don't think he drove it in a race or at a um, no, uh, you know, even as a test driver. So 2008, yeah, yeah because Ferrari once Super Aguri folded, he was out of F1, period. Yeah, and that was the reason Super Aguri was founded, was because you know, Honda or BAR Honda, you know, let him go to bring in Rubens, and there was such an uproar in Japan about letting him go that they, um, basically built a team around him um, for, for two and a half years and until they run out of money. And actually in 2007, the Super Guri team was more competitive than the Honda team. That they were. So speaking of um, Honda, uh, this would yes. be a good transition to our Formula One segment. So it looks like uh, Red Bull is preparing a special livery for the end of the season. Yeah, to, to mark their end of the uh, association with Honda, and it, too bad that won't be running Suzuka. Yeah, I, I think know, that right? was the plan, wasn't it? That was the plan that they were supposed to be, um, you know, you know, uh, at, at Suzuka running this because this is the race that technically replaced Suzuka. Um, you know, they would be running it with this special livery that uh, you know the, the 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 classic sort of off white and red um, Honda. Um, yeah, colorings there, yeah. So, yeah. what are so if I'm not mistaken, right? So, Red Bull is going to continue to use the uh, original Honda, pl- Honda power plant, the base of it, and then develop it 
yeah, on, on its own. Yeah. So, so for, so for are, are, are they are they bringing in the manufacturer to badge it, or is it just going to be no. all the Red Bull, Red Bull, engine? Red Bull, and Red Bull racing engines or Red Bull technology engines? So, from my understanding, the the rules and regulations are, are set in place for the engine uh, configuration through. Um, 2025, I think it is. So there's three or four years of relatively calm engine regulations. Then we sort of, there's a lot of talk about what engines are going to be developed in the next five, six year window, pass that through to 2030, which is when they want to go 100% carbon neutral with renewable fuel um, supply for, for, for for the series. So in the short term, um, you know, they will basically be running the Honda engine, you know, next year, what Honda would have been developing. However, they are taking along a lot of the development themselves and they are recruiting a lot of people there. I know, I, you know, I know personally, I know a number of people that have um, gone over to that team and uh, or to that manufacturing partner and uh, will be working on those engines. So, uh, you know, I expect them to be competitive. I, I, I think it'll be a pretty seamless transition. And there's some pretty big name players there. Yeah, it'll be interesting for sure. I I just hope that the one-off paint scheme curse doesn't happen to Red Bull because look what's happened. It could happen to anybody. Look at Mercedes at Hockenheim. Yeah. Well, we used to run that back in the day when I was with you know she worked for Honda and yeah, back in the, the early five, 2000s, five, five. the triple five when they went to China. Um, you know, we had a few like that and and the like. And uh, yeah, I mean it's. I'd, yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. Jensen got a podium in that. I think that was, I think it was one of the years we ran that car. I'm going to say Anthony Davidson drove it in Malaysia, but I think he, I think they ran the, the conventional uh, BAR livery in that, uh, in that race when, when Anthony stepped in for, for Takuma Sado, who was, who was, uh, had food poisoning, whatever it was for that race. Unfortunately, Anthony only survived two yeah. or three laps before his engine let go, uh, which was a shame for him because he, you know, it'd been great for him to uh, to have a decent run in that car. But um, yeah, no, it'd be good to see him. But of course, both uh, Red Bull and uh, AlphaTauri will be running a special livery of some sort this weekend, so it'll be good to see. And um, you know, obviously, you know, it, it's not unprecedented in forming one of these special liveries. You know, we saw. Um, as I said, Mercedes a couple of years ago at Hockenheim and, uh, you know, uh, McLaren had their special livery earlier this year, which looks stunning around Monaco. So, uh, yeah, no, it'll be good. Be good. No, All right. So, right. We, so we are racing in Turkey this weekend, right? We are, yeah. And, uh, and uh, forecast is for rain. Okay. Uh, as, as it was last year. So, uh, but they have resurfaced the track or done some, the clean the track, should we say, which should hopefully, um, as I recall, the, the likelihood of yeah, the track was uh, of, pretty of some of the pretty slick last year. Yeah, yeah, it's Bambi on ice, wasn't it? it was, <laughs> which, uh, <laughs> which I think the biggest fan for of the chase probably Valtteri Bottas. Good grief, he 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 yeah, had, he yeah, that was his worst race of his career last year at Istanbul. When Hamilton probably had his best race ever, that was Bottas is easily his worst of his career. All around race, all it's around good. race. Okay, so we've just got about three minutes left of the show. So uh, let's go ahead and make a pick for Turkey. Um, does Louis, Lewis Hamilton extend his win streak to one on one? Does Max Verstappen 
make a statement here and uh, take back the points lead? Or does somebody else come to the forefront? Because we've seen pretty good guys, uh, you know, up front lately that you don't ordinarily think of in the form of some of the McLaren and Williams guys. I mean, I personally think if it's a, uh, a a standard race, should we say, in terms of weather and the like, although chances are it won't be, um, you know, I think you'd have to put it, I would go with Max on this one. I think with his new engine he picked up in, in Russia, um, although he's already got one race under it, chances are they had it turned down for the majority of that race. Um, and he, I mean, he actually did fantastically well with a new engine starting last to, you know, get a P2. I mean, that's a huge result for the team there. So, uh, you know, that's a fantastic, uh, you know, they couldn't have played that any better, really. So, um, yeah, right. I'd go with, uh, with, 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 um, with Max, I think. So you're going with Max. Louise, who do you like? Uh, I feel like McLaren's momentum will continue. I think I'd want to go with McLaren, but I feel like this might be a sleeper, unpredictable race. So I'm going to go with Carlos Sainz for this one. Uh, he'll be doing uh, really well because he's got an engine penalty. He's starting last. Yeah. So. Well, well then, to go back, take that back to Hamilton. Then. <laughs> All right. So you're taking Hamilton then? Yeah. Forget what I said about science. Now that you bring up the engine penalty, was uh, dark. Oh man. Okay. So I'm gonna say that uh, McLaren does continue their momentum, and uh, Lando Lando Norris. Uh, Sneaks this one in because uh, good one though. Yeah, well, he sneaks it in because uh, Lewis and Max tangle again. Mm. Mm, I mean, you know, we gotta we've had enough drama this year with Lewis and Max tangling. It's not out of question. We'll see it again. Yeah. So. La- la- last lap of turn eight. Last Ooh, lap of turn eight. Yeah. I don't know if be on the last lap, but yeah. So I, you know, either way, that's the um, only thing missing from this saga. Yeah. You have your turn. Yeah, yeah. You have your opening lap. You're at your middle. We need the last lap to complete the cycle. All right. Well, as long as Lando wins, that means I, uh, you know, I win the bet. So anyway, <laughs> I, I want to thank you, Richard. I want to thank you, Louise. Seth, I, I know you've already signed out, but I want to thank you for coming on. It's always a pleasure to uh, listen to your stats and, and, and figures and numbers. Sheesh. And uh, yeah, so but I want to thank iHeartRadio, uh, Hoobazoo Radio Network. Spreaker, um, yeah, YouTube podcast, and Google. Uh, but till next week, you know, I want to thank you folks that listen to us every week. Till next week, good night. Enter website, enter website, enter website, enter website.